0: welcome back to the men at work podcast this is season three and i am your host travis streb so to kick off 2021 i'm talking to luke depran about men's fitness and health so luke's a online men's fitness and performance coach at live great lifestyle his mission really is to help busy men permanently lose weight and improve their energy and health. The great thing about Luke is he's all about simplicity, like stripping away all the crap and all the marketing and finding sustainable habits and practices for men to take on that can actually make a difference. Instead of just jumping on a bandwagon, whether it's you know keto or high carb or something else, finding some magic food. It's really about helping men build health, fitness, you know, healthy eating into their day-to-day busy lives. There's a ton in this episode. Even if you uh, don't identify as male, there's a lot here that Luke talks about around mindset. And we had a great conversation. So if you are looking to dig into this topic at all, or you know someone that does, please give it a listen uh, or share the cast. And I hope you love episode one of season three. So, Luke, you you work as a men's health and fitness coach, and um, but you got a you got a deep background. And one of the things that I came across first time I heard of you was I opened up your article from the Huffington post and you had this, this ser- series of pictures you'd taken. Basically you, you were talk you were trying to demonstrate how easy it is to show those really compelling before and after photos of guys like, Hey, you can, you know, you can get jacked and, and all lose all this belly fat. And basically you made the transformation in like six hours. You just, you know, you didn't eat for a while and you hunched, hunched over and used some different lighting and, um, I wonder if you can talk a bit about that experiment you did. And I think more importantly, is like, what were you trying to reveal for, for people out there?
1: Yeah. So I would say one of the, the biggest things that I do think holds people back from having like real transformation within their health and their fitness is the unreal expectations. Mm. And this is coming from the marketing side. And you see it all the time, um, working with somebody because, They'll have maybe a little bit of progress, but it's a little slower than they want. And then ultimately they, they give up and, or they'll try some gimmicky supplement, some gimmicky workout tool. And of course it's not going to deliver the results. Um, but, but it gets to the point of, you know, I spoke with a gentleman who had lost 60 pounds. Like that's a tremendous amount of weight to lose. When you think of the amount of adipose tissue that has to be turned over, that is a tremendous amount of weight. And he ended up quitting and going back to all his old habits because he wasn't satisfied with the rate of fat loss. And I think he did it in like six months. And I'm like, man, that is so on the money, perfect, like textbook. And these unrealistic, these unrealistic expectations, I really think hold a lot of guys back and women, of course, as well. And so, yeah, with those, with those photos that you mentioned, it's really just a showcase how easy it is to create a kind of faked before and after photo. And it was, yeah, it was three and a half hours. And, you know, if I ask most people, they think it's about a four to six month transformation. And it was always just kind of uh, speculative that I assume that companies are using um, this type of marketing, uh, deceptive marketing to, to push products. And um, again, it was always kind of just my, my thought, but a funny thing has happened since. Those photos, because they were used on Huffington Post, which is a a rather, you know, a bigger platform, I've been notified uh, two or three times by Facebook, as Facebook, you know, notifies you, would you like to be tagged in this photo? And I'm like, I don't recognize that person. And I click on it. And there's a health coach, a marketer, a supplement, one was for like skin tightening, one is an Herbalife saleswoman, using my photos to market her services and products. So just uh, I think since the last time we spoke I actually uh Google reverse image search those and there's that exact faked faked transformation photo is now being used probably on I found it on like 15 sites for um for peptides I found it on personal trainers websites uh actual like fitness coaches and and so hopefully it lets people know that you know if it sounds too good to be true it is um And, and, and pulling back some expectations because that is really, I think what stops a lot of guys from having long-term success is thinking, you know, you're going to lose 50 pounds in in 30 days. It's like, you don't want to do that. You're going to burn through a ton of muscle mass and you're not going to actually have the desirable physique or long-term results.
0: Yeah. I mean, it sounds like, yeah, definitely, definitely for men, it's like, show me how to get ripped. You, (laughs) you know, you touched on the marketing piece though. Um, and what I see out there a lot is this, and I, I mean, I I used to be an avid reader and I was a subscriber of Men's Health. Like I, I used to buy into that stuff, lock, stock and, and barrel, like all the supplements. And, um, you know, part of what I was chasing though was that image that, that I think is still so pervasive. It's like, you're jacked, you're, you know you're good looking and, and women love you, which is, it's like, you're appealing to you're appealing to kind of every man's, you know basic s- secret or not so secret desire but you know what's the impact of that that in, in your experience in working with guys I mean uh, I could talk about mine but I'd, I'm curious you work with so many men around health and fitness
1: um, you know th- I think there is a there is a big impact in that but it's it's actually a step above I think it's more in the confidence that a guy gets by stepping into taking control of one's actions taking control of one's actual physical body I think it probably, um, I mean, of course, I think there's a desirability from, from women um, or for other men, if you're, if you're a gay guy, if you're in shape, um, I do think there is a, a natural um, attraction there, of course. But I think a big piece of it is really that there's a confidence that's exuded, not because you are, uh, you know, say 12% body fat or have whatever, you know, physique, it's the, the work that you put in there, kind of the guy that you became to, to get that result there's something to be said about, you know, the word people throw around is presence. And presence to me is often uh, it's tethering physical posture with um, kind of emotional confidence. And I think that's something that we, I do think have an innate ability to pick up on um, from like a, uh, uh, just an animalistic standpoint that maybe we can't even define, you know, like why that one person might be a bit more attractive. So I do think there's some some aspects to that, but I think it's like I said, I think it's a step above the, just the body side. It's really how you're showing up with your confidence and, and the fact that you put in work and you got a result.
0: Yeah. almost, almost like integrity in, in some ways. It's not like, it's like as if health and fitness can be a gateway to personal power. Um,
1: it's dude, I say this all the time. Exercise is the simplest tool of personal development. And it's the easiest way to prove a growth mindset. It's like, okay, I put in effort over a long period of time, or a prolonged period of time, and I see results. And to see visual, like actually look in the mirror and be like, oh, wow, gotten smaller, gotten bigger. There is something about that visual side that really kind of locks it in that like a a tangible change, because you might not recognize like, you know, your, your friends might notice like, man, you know, you got a lot more energy, you just seem a little more, you know, upbeat, you seem a little more confident, those might not really register as quickly as what you see. So I really think it's a powerful tool to, again, step into something like a growth mindset, which is going to be a game changer across, you know, I think every avenue of your life.
0: Yeah, yeah. man, I, I love that as a philosophy. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm still, I'm still kind of grappling with the, you know, 99% of marketing for health and fitness for men is, at least in my opinion, it feels like, like body shaming in some ways in a covert way. So, But I mean, you're not, you obviously want to deliver results for men, but you've got a very different flavor around what you're trying to help men achieve. How, like, how do you, how do you get a guy wrapped around the idea that like, hey, just so you know, man, I've, you know, and you're, you've worked with all these guys, like having a six pack won't actually make you feel fulfilled. It might be an end result, (laughs) but it's the process and who you become in doing that, that will matter. Like, how do you sell that to someone?
1: Well, and truthfully, I am going to leverage the, like the physique desire, right? Cause that is the initial, that's, that's kind of the starting point for a lot of guys, right? Like, Hey, I need to lose 30 or 40 pounds. And that is a, that's a tangible result that they can picture when I'm trying to like, and, and quantify these intangible results in them. It, it's funny because it's the stuff that is really exciting to me. Like if I get a, you know, if I get a testimonial from somebody that's like, like I have one that I love and it's like, you know, I'm out diving, playing catch with my, my son. Like I'm a 16 year old kid again. Like, dude, that fires me up because personally, I don't care that you look better. That doesn't do, <laughs> like, I'm not your wife or your girlfriend or whoever. Um, but that entry point generally is going to be, um, a physique change, right? Like we have that desire it's, but once we get into action, man, all these other things start to unfold and you know, you're a fit and active guy. I know you're a cyclist and done, I think even competitive cycling, And we all know those people who start to get in shape. And I always joke that they become the obnoxious fitness person. They post their workouts on Facebook, checking in at the gym, they're posting their recipes and you're like, all right, dude, we get it. You like CrossFit. Like we got it. And they almost seem annoying, but the reality is it's because they've gotten such an amazing um, result and impact on how they feel that they just can't like, they can't not share that with the world. So, um, I definitely am going to leverage and lean into the fact that like, Hey, we, we do need to hit this 20 to 30, 40, 50 pound weight loss, whatever it's going to be. Um, but the end result of doing the actions, man, you get a lot of other rewards that come with it.
0: Yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense, man. I, I mean, there's also a lot of health benefits for a lot of people from, from dropping those, those 20, 30 pounds. Totally. Um, you know, I think it's the, my only point is kind of, you know, chasing the, movie star or the you know the airbrushed guy on men's health chasing that physique is a, is a bit of a um a bit of a dangerous path i think for a lot of guys and I've, I've been down it man it doesn't feel good to be constantly comparing um but you're right though the benefit of the benefit of being fitter and healthier for guys is important um
1: well, and that, and that comparison piece, you got to be real careful with because, again, you can look up at somebody and like, man, that's a fantastic um, motivator, but you also have to have um, expectations or um, comparative realities, right? So when you look at, and I, I use this uh, <laughs> back when I used to do more like in-person personal training, this is years ago, I remember I had a guy come in with a photo and he goes, hey, so this is like what I'm going for. He's like, what do you think? And I'm thinking, yeah, you're not gonna look like that. And I like to kind of crushed this guy immediately. I'm like, you're 49. That's a 19-year-old fitness model that's airbrushed, photoshopped, and you have a it was like a 50 hour a week job, plus you're doing night classes to become a nurse. So you're underslept, overstressed. And it's like that isn't happening. And that's not trying to put a limiting belief on somebody. It's like, that is a genetically gifted. And it's like, but let's see what your potential can be within your unique situation. Because the reality is that 19 year old fitness model, it's like, cool. Do you have the capacity to work out four hours a week or four hours a day like he does? No. (laughs) So again, if you're a dad, if you're a business owner, an entrepreneur, it's like, Um, there, there can still be a pretty significant, um, result that you can drive with minimal effective dose standards that doesn't have to take and overwhelm your life to think you have to step into this bodybuilder competitive living in the gym lifestyle. And and I think that's a kind of a, there's a freedom once you understand that as well.
0: Maybe you could talk about that. What you just said something that I don't think I understand. You said like minimum dose standard, uh, keep talking a bit about that.
1: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So when I think of coaching, so I work with a a lot of business owners, um, a lot of entrepreneurs where it's like, again, you know, we don't have to work out seven days a week to achieve a good result. There are smarter ways to do this. And at the end of the day, also having some flexibility. And this is, again, when we talk about long-term strategies, anybody can go do a 21 day or 30 day program. I'm not like concerned with that. How do we stick to something for three months, six months, nine months, 12 months? What are we doing? three and five years. I want transformation, right? I want to like shift your life and who you are and how you show up in this world as a man. Like that's what I'm after. And uh, that means there's going to be ebb and flow. But what we are trying to do is um, kind of turn, I think, ceilings into floors over time. And we do that by having guaranteed minimum standards that we hold. And we can assess this based on what's going on in your life, right? So again, if you're a busy entrepreneur who's like, you're raising your series A, it's like, you're not going to be in the gym probably 7 days that week <laughs> you know so you can assess week to week and say hey what is the guaranteed minimum standard that i can actually do and like that is a no bullshit it has to happen standard you can always do more but i think there's a lot of power in having a little bit of this flexibility where you could scale back and say realistically this week i'm going to get two really solid foundational workouts and then by holding that standard we can shift it again. You could, the next week, maybe you get three. Um, but having a little bit of that flexibility, but really committing to those minimum standards, man, there's a confidence builder there versus I'm going to get five in this week. And then you get two. like That two would have been good if you were aiming for it. But when you're aiming for five and you get two and you do that three to, weeks in a row, you start to build a little bit of a, there's that incongruency piece, right? Where we're not doing what we said we would do. We're starting to, in our mind, look at ourselves as, hey, I'm not trustworthy. I don't do what I said I was going to do. And eventually we kind to of fizzle out. So adjusting along the way, creating guaranteed minimum standards of what you are going to do, even within the week, if that's what it takes, man, that could be a powerful thing.
0: It's, I love that as a frame of reference for guys, the guaranteed minimum standards. So, you know, even if you're not going to go and um, sign up to, to work with Luke, you can at least set yourself some guaranteed minimum standards.
1: And, and what I mean by that, like, We set minimum, but we obviously hope we could do more. But minimum means like, hey, I there there can be no work meeting that can pop up that can throw this off. So that might mean your ass is out there at eleven o'clock on your deck doing some pushups and lunges because you have to hit that standard that you set for yourself. And uh, again, we can always exceed.
0: You know, it's funny because that happened to me. um, That happened to me last this last week. I was I was leading an online intensive, um, assisting for one of my teachers I was on zoom for 12 hours a day for like not quite five days in a row but close like wednesday through sunday um, with some breaks and so i was like i'm not going to be able to get out for my long bike rides the weather was kind of turning a little sideways it was we had snowed uh, up here which was very bizarre for this time of year and so i i you know without without having heard that from you i kind of set i said well okay we don't start till 10 AM. So I'm going to get out and I'm going to, I'm going to, I want to make sure I get in some kind of movement for an hour every day. So I went for a hike one day. I did some, I did literally what you said, like some push-ups and some jumping jacks on my back deck in the freezing cold, you know, yep. cause I'm like, I got, I got to get, I got to get it in. So I, I can relate to that. Um, and
1: it's, and it seems so obvious to somebody who you have a, um, you have a relationship with fitness that it is, part of who you are so that seems like a very obvious thing but i can't tell you how many guys i talk to where it's like they're constantly in restart mode they've never fully stepped in and like taken this on again whether it's as an identity or as part of who they are um to where it's like yep i'm starting this same program over again and it's always in restart and we've never actually actualized it into like who we are in the world and and uh something as simple as that like that a l- the ability to adjust so you stay in the game and then you just do it naturally and it's not this like big sought after plan each week. It's just become who you are where, you know, I, I want to go and get these things in.
0: Yeah. I never thought about it really. It, 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 it happened, but I, I would imagine if i have been working with someone like you, it could have been maybe a little quicker. How, like, how do you help someone move into, to a place where the, you said self-actualizing, like you start to embed these systems and and these, they almost become like needs. Like I need to get this kind of training in.
1: Well, there's, well, and you can contest to this as somebody who has kind of transcended that point. You've probably been there for so long that you don't even um rec- maybe recognize it anymore unless you get sick and you're yeah. like, and you can't, and you can't feel good. But once you get somebody over the hump of, um I think the initial struggle of starting where things are hard And the result maybe of a workout or going for a hike or just getting moving or eating, you know, some new foods isn't quite fun yet. And it's not maybe giving you that, that feedback loop of positive feelings. But once you kind of get into that, it's like, Oh, Hey, we're off to the races. Cause like, man, I feel good from this. I enjoy eating this. And now it's really like, why wouldn't we do something that makes us feel good or eat foods that we like that taste good that get us towards the result. Um, but if we went, you know, back to that a step before would be really setting up, um, you know, some deep core motivators, like what is, what is your big, why, what is your purpose? Why are we doing this? Um, and, and really needing to anchor a good reason for stepping into that process. Um, and then I think also kind of doing a little bit of identity work where we're trying to think of, you know, who is the guy that we want to be, how do we want to show up, think and, and, and be, um, and start to make identity-based decisions. So, and a very easy example is the, you know, everybody knows the vegan, like the vegan doesn't think about what they're going to eat, I'm not suggesting that you go vegan. Um, but like their decisions have been made for them. Um, you as a cyclist, I imagine, are not a smoker. <laughs> I'm going out on a winner. No. Uh, <laughs> right. So like, I mean, you laughed at that. That would be so incongruent with who you are to go smoke because it goes against and it, it pushes back on something that you do value. So um, having those two pieces in place helps get over that initial and um, uh, maybe sticking point, and then we're into a, a loop of kind of self-fulfillment because of the result we get right? Like, you know, man, even if you don't feel like going for your bike ride, like once you do it, like you feel like a million bucks.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I had to <laughs> on yesterday. I went out I had been five days off the bike, which for some people is like, that sounds like nothing, but that's a lot for me. And so it, it, but there was resistance. I was like, oh, I don't know. I want to put my gear back on. And it was a little cold out, but it was sunny. And once I was like five minutes in and I'm like, Oh, thank God I did this.
1: Um, here, can I, let me, can I yeah, throw man. on something on that yeah. real quick? I remember in uh, college, I had a uh, roommate who's a friend to this day and, you know, I've myself have had a, a, a relationship with exercise, you know, from a young age. And he goes, man, how do you always want to work out? And I go, oh, that's funny. I don't, I go, but what I'll do on a day that I don't is I'll like grab my shoes while I'm thinking about how I don't want to go go work out. I'll go to the, like the gym or whatever I'm going to go do while I'm thinking that I don't want to. And then once I start within like five to seven minutes, I'm like, wow, I'm really glad I did this. So when we talk identity piece, I think one, a really powerful identity to start to like think into is, um, you know, I'm a guy that does the hard stuff. I do the stuff that I don't want to do. Um, and, and that's a powerful place because there's going to be, there's going to be days you don't, and there's going to be days that you are going to miss and there's going to be days that you're going to eat something unhealthy. Like that is all part of it. And that's just, you know, par for the course.
0: Yeah yeah that was Sunday night man after I got off zoom I went went into the freezer and I knew I I'd saved this had a little had a half a pint of vegan ice cream still left over it's my my big weakness and I'm like this is a reward for having spent 40 <laughs> hours on freaking zoom um
1: <laughs> I smashed uh, an entire pint of ben and jerry's in this uh, when I say camping it's not really camping it's glamping in under canvas, which is, you know, a total glamp situation. So like, again, you can have a little here and there. It's not a, this is not a, this is not a hundred percent thing that everybody thinks it is.
0: Yeah, man. Well, I'm going to, I want to talk to you a little bit about nutrition in a minute, but the, the piece I want to ask you about next is, is related to what we just talked about where there's, so I've been, you know, I'm, I'm off the bike for five days. I'm used to being super active. There's a bit of resistance in me kind of getting on when you're working with, with guys, um, is, is there a point at which, like, h- someone should listen to that? Like, hey, this isn't your day, man. Like if someone like, because I think for for at least my experience of working with men and men's groups is like, we tend to just want to push and like ram through. Um, right. Even when things might not be feeling good, we kind of, you know, ignore that. So how do you create distinctions for your clients around like, when is it resistance you can move through, like you're kind of just I don't wanna versus this is something to pay attention to.
1: Sure. I mean if we're talking specifically obviously like injury and soreness, of course we pay attention to those things. Um so if there's a let's call that external resistance, then we would of course um mind that if it's the internal side, I would obviously encourage pe- <clears throat> I would encourage men to like, hey, here's an opportunity uh to to challenge ourselves and to have a growth moment. Um, but again, when we go back to say those minimum standards, this is where like flexibility is important. And this mm-hmm. is where like a lot of guys do get in trouble, um, which would be like, okay, I'm going to work out, uh, you know, again, working with a lot of entrepreneurs, they tend to be type A, I myself am not I actually struggle with structure and organization and systems and all the things that many um, high level entrepreneurs and businessmen are, are, uh, are able to leverage. But that can also get them in trouble. Because if you are someone who I work out Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 6am, but then things come up at 6am consistently, it's like, we're, we're hitting a, a, um, a roadblock here. And so having a level of flexibility to where even if it is an internal struggle day, where I don't feel like doing this, you can look at your week and you can assess and say, like, actually, I'm able to bump down the line, these same other two workouts, I still have my thursday and sunday and boom i'm gonna place them there and maybe i need to take this day and do some recovery or you know um work on some relationship stuff maybe i need to you know take uh take my girlfriend out for a walk or for dinner or like do that piece of life right and so to me the exercise piece should not take over or consume your life it should it should uplift it um no question about it and if if uh if exercise is in negatively impacting your life, you are doing it wrong. At that point, you've possibly stepped into an athlete, which is fine if you're going to be an athlete, but you do not have to approach being a health, healthy person and get all the amazing benefits. You don't necessarily have to step into it to, with, with such an athletic mindset to where, sorry, can't go out to dinner, got to train. Sorry, can't go eat there. They won't be able to fit my diet. Like that's not realistic for a long term.
0: That's a. I think that's a good distinction to make, though. The distinction between someone who wants to be an athlete versus someone who wants to be healthier. Um, yeah. You know, and that's.
1: I struggle yeah. with that myself. Yeah. I, I mean, I like to do. I want to get back into jujitsu. You know, I've torn stuff in jujitsu, and you know, you have to have a conversation of, am I having? A, I, and so for me, I have a. I am going to take a health first, fitness second approach. And I know we spoke about this before. Um, And and for me, because I want to be the guy that's. You know, I was just in Zion. It's like. I want to be 70 and in Zion, you know, like, I want to do that. Um, and uh, so for me, I'm going to have a health first fitness second approach, which means that, like, hey, man, my back's jacked up, like, I'm not going to go grapple. Like, I've had to check that now it's coming up to 36. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's, a, that's a good distinction when you think of even some of the the lifestyle stuff, right? Like, if you're to the point where, And maybe you are an athlete and maybe you have some, some massive athletic goals. And I've worked with some, some guys and gals that have those. And then maybe you will have some pushback on some of the lifestyle stuff, but none of this to get, to lose weight, to have energy, to have more confidence, to have all the amazing things that come with stepping into a health and fitness lifestyle does not really necessarily mean you're going to have to sacrifice a ton of the, what you perceive as like, I can't ever go out. I can't hang with my friends. I can't, you know, that's not, that's not it.
0: Yeah. All the things we make up when we're starting to get ready for some kind of transformation or change. It's like, well, this yeah. is going to mean next. Yeah. Um, totally. you mentioned a few minutes ago about how you sit with your clients and you have them, you have them articulate for you or with you what their big why is for getting in shape or losing weight or whatever the their goal is like the why behind the goal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm curious when you're, you're talking to largely, you're working with men. What are some of the most surprising whys that you've helped guys come up with?
1: Um, <clears throat> well, let's see. Surprising. Um, well, one, uh, one that was kind of surprising to me was like to defend himself. Mm. Um, and he had had a physical altercation. Um, someone uh, broke into his restaurant and he had a physical altercation and realizing like, I need to physically be a bigger stronger more um and this and this is someone i know is an absolute sweetheart of a human um but like to be a bigger dominant um man in the world to be able to protect himself and and others and i thought that was kind of a cool one um and you know obviously there's a lot of the the parent side um mm. work, working with the entrepreneurs there's a lot of just uh a desire to optimize and like show up fully um you know like to, to, to have that like real ownership um yeah. And if you can get it down to something concrete um, that you can really conceptualize to help drive you on those days where, man, I don't really feel like doing this, <laughs> then, uh, then you got some, something there. So again, like take the, take the guy who it's like, he has a fear of, I mean, like a life and death fear, which like at that moment, like there was a real, um, I think I almost want to say the guy came at him with a it's like a crowbar. Woo. And he, and he tackled him. And again, my buddy, this, yeah, this is a friend at this point, or this is a friend. And, and it's like, he's not a big dominating guy, but like handled himself and the guy ran off and it was a, you know, um a situation that could have gone very differently. Um, And so for him, it's able, he's able to tap back into that. Now, again, he has all these other amazing results because he's, He loves to go do uh, mountain climbing and he's, you know, uh, he's, I have one of the best, my favorite testimonials is he's on top of this 14,000 foot mountain, you know, like I'm up here. I just did meager. I just did. And he's doing all these other amazing things, but maybe in the back of his mind, when he was just getting started before it's really become that again, part of who he is, he, he could leverage the fact of like, there's a dude that came at me with a crowbar, like, I gotta uh I gotta show up. <laughs> yeah. Well, and
0: maybe it's like the guy's never gonna have an altercation again, but it's the knowing that Pro- probably he has won't. A,
1: He's a sweetheart. <laughs> he has,
0: but he has a capacity, right? He has a capacity in him. And it's yep. interesting as you say this. I'm I just finished doing my uh my year season end. We have seasons here in Canada for um for riding bikes, unlike you in San Diego. Yeah. Um yeah. So it's like, season, season. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's warm and sunny. It's, it happens 12 months a year. So we were, we were talking about some some reflections from the last season. And uh, one of the things we've been working on is like, instead of having the goal be around a specific result in a, in a race or an event, which is highly unpredictable is being in, in a position to achieve a result. Mm, And we didn't have any events this year.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. There,
0: yeah. There are no, you know, there really, there wasn't a lot of athletic events going on. Certainly cycling was out unless you're a you know full professional athlete racing in the tour de France or whatever. But it's one of the things I reflected on is you know, this, this year compared to last of this, even though I didn't race, I definitely felt like I was in a position to win or to be where I wanted to be. Should a race ever occur. Almost like That's your, cool. your restaurant guy. It's like, yeah. I actually hope I never get into an altercation again. But I want my why is I want to feel like I'm in a position to defend myself and my property if I need to, or to, I don't know, to help someone else who's in need or or whatever. Um, it's. Mm-hmm. A, it feels like, like an important I, piece.
1: Yeah, and 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 again, it can just be, and it can shift and change over time. Um, I was I always love sharing this one because this is kind of what I use to to. Explore. Uh, expand this idea to guys when they kind of go through some of the, the course material and they watch this video. Um, there's a speaker, Ed Milet. So I, I just, I love this. I don't have kids and I actually don't plan on having children, but when I like hear this and watch this, I get goosebumps and can almost cry from this. Um, so he was speaking to, I believe, Tom Bilyeu on his show. And uh, he's talking about going to the doctor and the doctor's like, wow, I can't believe these arteries are in this body. And, you know, leaves him with that and <laughs> walks out of the room and, And uh, then he comes back in. He says, Hey, don't you have a, uh, you have a son, right? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, "Oh, okay. Leaves him again. Then he comes in. He's like, is your, is your wife pregnant? He's like, yeah. And he's like, oh, do you know what you're having? he's like, yeah, daughter. And he goes, okay. He goes, well, let me ask you. He's like, do you plan on walking your daughter down the aisle or will another man? And he just like, let that sit. And like, I mean, again, like at the end of the day, that's kind of some of the stakes that we're talking about, right? Like, your health, your wellness, your life, and you have full capacity to like take ownership and, and radically shift it. Um, so something like that to where, if you can anchor the fact that, um, you know, you're not going to walk your daughter down the aisle if you don't, you know, uh, pardon my language, get your shit together. <laughs> like that's a pretty big driver. Um, I've had other guys where it really is. There's is some of the relationship stuff, you know, the confidence with women is a, is a big one. And, uh, you know um it could even be something as trivial and and you know you're you're a fit guy and this is something myself like i don't i don't personally deal with but i can be empathetic to like you know be able to take your shirt off at the beach and have confidence in that um that seems surface layer to me because i know once those guys get in and they get all these other amazing again you know i I like what you talked about being race ready but surface level stuff at, at the beginning man like to not be able to go to the beach and enjoy a beach day without being extremely self-conscious and how you look, it's going to radically change um, your your day. I mean, there's anxiety throughout the day as you go there. You're not wanting to go on a vacation um, with your family or with your friends, and something as simple as that. Um, the results are always beyond it, though.
0: Yeah, man, it's. Uh, I love you know it's it's it is it's true though it, it is often the starting place right. You start with the surface. I think what what I'm hearing you say though, is that guys find like the the reasons for sticking with whatever their program is or their plan is
1: are far
0: deeper than the surface.
1: It's start with look, continue for feel <laughs> yeah yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, you get it like they said there's there's think of uh man, you, you never miss being healthy more than when you're sick. like think when you're sick and how you're like, I would give anything not to feel like this there's a similar shift for somebody who, again, if you don't have your nutrition in order, you, you don't have a movement aspect in your life, you're not exercising, man, you you don't know that there's this uh, veil of, of like, like being when you're sick, when it's removed, you're like, Oh my God, this is so much better.
0: <laughs> so when you're, when you're working with guys, you know, there's, um, you've talked about the distinction between athlete versus I want to be healthy. And then you talked you talked about these guaranteed minimum standards, like, how, how much should a guy be thinking about how much you know, time, energy, effort should a guy be thinking about spending on this? Like in a given week, are you, are you building, pl- I mean, I know you build plans for a lot of people, but generally like, are these like eight hours a week, like two hours a week? What's the, so what, yeah.
1: In, in general, if you want to just kind of, if you want to like, if you want to lose weight, which is again, a lot of st- the starting point, and And I do have guys that step into like a farther component. And I always, I'll share this one quickly and then come back yeah, to your please question. Do. Um, uh, I have a guy named Jeff who uh, I, I love this because, you know, he's a 49-year-old guy who, when we started, he had gotten into cycling and he was doing some like, like you, he was just, I mean, he'd, or he'd gotten into cycling, not like you. And uh, just maybe a month ago, he just did his, he had done one 100-mile race a century, which you, yeah. you can, you can express a, a century is a tough deal. And uh, when we first started working together, I think he was just coming up to like doing that race. And I mean, you know, you see his Facebook post and it's amazing because it was just like couldn't believe he could do this and then just maybe a month ago he went and did a 350 mile three-day ride by himself and now he's racing uh he races electric off-road um mountain bikes and so he has stepped into athlete for sure i mean to the point of like hey I'm, you know, I'm hearing him talk as an athlete, which is very important, thinking of himself as an athlete, starting to make again, athletic based decisions and his programming from a workout standpoint, it might not even be to optimize body composition right now. Cause it's like, you're in season, you can't cut calories. And, you know, he is in that athlete side, but if we go back to, um, and again, a healthy person has a better chance of being an athlete. If we go back to like the average person, which I put myself in this camp, by the way, even though I do jujitsu, um, I still have, again the same kind of deliverables to myself um, you can get pretty phenomenal results with three to four 45 minute workouts each week um, there does need to be a movement component in your life and movement is different than exercise and we do have to make that distinction and understand what me and you what you did last week 12 hour fought, 12 hour days at a computer is incongruent with your your body's innate expectation as a human animal Once you recognize that, it's like, okay, how do I, how do I deal with this? And this is where it's going to be a little bit different for everybody all the way to the point where if I knew, like, if I was you and I knew, like, I know that sounds like that was a moment in time, but if I knew that like, Hey, for the next year, like, this is really what my life's going to look like. I'd have to buy a $15,000 stand up walking treadmill desk. Like there'd just be, I'd have to find a way to get low level movement. I live in a small apartment in San Diego and it's like, I will put in miles (laughs) <laughs> in my little apartment and on my deck, I'm just, I'm moving. And uh, we can be strategic with it, but we can also do it in a way where at the end of the week, you shouldn't have to look back and think it was this thing that had to be on the schedule. That was this big time consumer. What people think of as cardio, it can really just be integrated into again, throughout the day. Um, so the big chunk becomes those like, Hey, can we get three to four good foundational, and I'm gonna call them lifts in is going to be the biggest Um, driver to move the body composition while, of course, addressing the nutritional component.
0: So movement, movement for you is different than cardio. It's like, what are some other examples of movement? I mean, aside from pacing up and down your beautiful sunny deck. So I I
1: would, I would say cycling, I'm going to put in the movement category right now again. Yes. And it's going into cardio. So I'm going to like have movement and cardio in like one category, but we don't have to do distinct Cardio, in the sense of you don't have to get up and like hop on your elliptical for 20 minutes in the morning, if like, or go to the gym at night, it blows my mind here in San Diego. I walk, I go by gyms and I see people on a treadmill in San Diego walking, and I'm thinking, like, do you are you trying to create an excuse to quit? Because why would you do that? Um, so it could be like going out and hiking a trail or um, and, and we do want to kick the intensity of, of this uh, up at times and, and leaning into cardio and hiking is a great tool. For me, Jujitsu jitsu is actually going to fall into more of the movement category. Um, so again, tennis, I mean, anything play, surfing out here, right? Mm. Like you want to mo- get an awesome movement practice? Go surf if you're in San Diego, right? I'm like, let me ask you, you're going to you get up at five in the morning to go to an hour on the treadmill? Like that sounds horrible, but I can tell you thousands of guys who are up at five in the morning out there in the cold ass Pacific ocean. Why? Cause they get an amazing feeling from it. So again, I want to integrate movement into some form that you enjoy. So again, for you cycling, is a passion um, that you don't even have to think of as exercise. Let's remove that word from the, from the movement side. So uh, hiking, biking, cycling, dancing, go to salsa classes, like go meet a woman in salsa classes, right? Like uh, learn to break dance, uh, jujitsu, uh, hiking, mountain There's cl- anything, man. So many.
0: I love that you brought it into the realm of play and that distinction between the word exercise and having fun. I mean, I, you know, I, talking to a lot of guys, it's, I don't, I don't work in the, um, you know, health and fitness realm, but a lot of them are like, Oh, I gotta, I gotta get my exercise in. And it's like, Ooh, that sounds like that sounds like you're a no on that. That sounds horrible. Um, You know, I try not to. You know, if someone wants to use a treadmill and and they want to stick to it, man, I mean, especially here, uh, yeah, it's you,
1: you do what you have to do. But the well, there you go, you do what you have to do in your situation. Like, I yeah. down down here, very different conversation. So for someone up in your neck of the woods, come another month from now, it's probably not a whole lot of, you know, like you may have to buckle down a couple months and be a little bit more tactical. And maybe it doesn't include the treadmill. Maybe there's some sunny days where you get to go out and do some cross country skiing or some snowshoeing. Or when you like, again, here's where we get real tactical on like the really busy person. You know, I've had people where literally they go to work, they walk up the stairs, they, the four flights, they walk right back down and then they walk back up. Like they double their stairs every time. Um, if you're out taking your kids sledding, Like go sled down the hill, walk back up, drag them back up, right? Like to the point where it was tough, it was work, but it was fun and play and engaging. Or if you're going to go play football with your kids, like go to the park, like run routes. Like here's a, here's a really tangible one that I always find kind of funny. I used to go to a park, um, by the way, I don't really, I don't use a gym. I work out at my, my house. I know we spoke before and you were kind of surprised with that. Um, but I went to a park. Uh, or I've gone to a park that I go to a lot and there's people out there in the morning and it's like, they have their dogs and I'm out there maybe doing like a little, I was doing like a sprint workout or some type of little workout that I decided to take it to the park. And I'm watching all these people with the, the stick thing that cups the ball. So it allows you to throw it pretty far. And then dogs are just tearing through, they're moving, they're having fun and feeling awake and everybody else is just kind of standing there. And it's like, you could just kind of walk. You could trot, you could jog, or you could even sprint to like another part of the park. And then the dog could meet you there. And like, you could do that. And over the course of weeks and months, all of a sudden you have a movement practice every time you are out for a walk with your dog, um, walking your dog further. So, so there's always ways that are going to be able to integrate no matter how busy you are walking meetings. Anytime you're on the phone, if you're a super busy person, like, man, get up, walk on your phone and talk. Nobody's tethered to the wall anymore.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's, they seem, these, some of these things seem obvious, right? But even the, even the dog stick thing, I never thought about it until you mentioned it. It's like, oh, yeah, that's right. Like now you're not bending over even, you're not even throwing. Like even if all you're doing is standing in a stationary (laughs) position, you have to bend over and stretch your hamstrings a little bit. Your back gets a bit of of mobility. And then you got to pick up a ball and throw it, move your shoulders (laughs) and your torso. There's all kinds of stuff instead of like the machine that, the machine that more or less makes, makes throwing a ball the, the smallest possible range of motion you could think of.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like stand, stand square. flick yeah. wrist. And I, uh, Hey, you know, like for my mom, she's gonna be able to throw it farther because the dog needs to go farther. Like, great, yeah, 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 man. It's no, no
0: judgment. It's just a, it's just, a, it's more of a like, Hey, looking at some of the obvious things in our lives. Um, mm-hmm. you know, maybe the guy who's got the stick is, you know, also an elite marathoner and can't afford to spend any more calories throwing ball for his dog, whatever, whatever Absolutely. you think is. Um, yeah. so One of the things we haven't really touched on yet is nutrition and the, I mean, there's the, the famous, the famous saying is what you can't out-train a bad diet. Um, and I'm, I'm just, I'm curious, where do you even start with guys around nutrition? Cause it, it feels like it, it's, it's like a vortex.
1: Yeah. It feels, as I say, it feels big, right? I go, are we ready here? Um, so I, I always preface with this. I'm not a registered dietitian. I'm not a nutritionist. I'm going to share what I've seen work um, for myself and those um, other men and, and women. Here's the reality. Uh, I also throw this out there. I focus on working with men. The really the only difference of any of this delivered from to a man or a woman. The one conversation could be some hormonal stuff. But as far as like lifting, same. <laughs> Like it's, you know, you got to move too. Um, So I always throw that for any women that are listening to this, this all can still apply to you. Um, So the nutritional piece, man, just like the exercise, there is a lot of misinformation. There's a lot of terrible marketing that has just created massive confusion. And there is unfortunately um, unrealistic, unrealistic expectations. So I do start with this. Understanding that the quantity of food you eat will fundamentally dictate your weight, like the calories in, calories out, at the end of the day. And you know, I know people will start to say, "Oh, well, you'll hit starvation mode, and you'll start to store fat, and blah, 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 blah." That only somehow doesn't that somehow only happens in the industrial world, where everybody else in you know other areas of the world tend to actually starve to death. Um, but what, so we need to understand that the quantity of food is going to dictate your overall weight. However, you also have to simultaneously hold the position that the quality of food you eat tends to dictate or impact the quantity. And here's an example. Um, if you are absolutely full, and there is the most amazing meal you've ever had at the restaurant of your favorite healthy protein, salmon, your healthy vegetable, asparagus, whatever you like, that's the best you've ever had. And some French fries and you're absolutely stuffed. And me and you were hanging out watching uh, and the check, we're waiting for the check. We're both stuffed. Like they're like to go boxes, please. We cannot eat it all. What are we all going to do? We're going to start nibbling on the French fries. And that is a great example to show you that the quality of the food is going to impact the quantity I got a cat jumping up here.
0: You do, man. This she's is it he or she,
1: this is a, she, she's he's making a outside. guest
0: appearance on the men at work podcast. The cats, yeah, cats she, love to come in at the frame.
1: No, she never, she never normally does. Um, <laughs> that's funny. The other one's all over. I have to put them outside when I do this. Um, so yeah, once you understand that the quality can in, impact the quantity, um, it, it gives you a, a place to start having to make some adjustments. And, and we spoke before, like some of this will be unique to you. Um, and I call these fail point foods. So fail point foods for me would be um, any food that you are going to overconsume past hunger, that you really have trouble controlling. And I really recommend anybody listening to this to read the extraordinary science of addictive junk food. You can just Google it. It's a short, like probably ten minute read in New York Times, and it it outlines how food manufacturing is done in a way to make foods almost impossible to not overconsume. And it's really important for even men to understand this because I see a lot of emotional guilt. I see a lot of, um, well, I clearly have no self-control, so then we quit. When the reality is, if you just understood that the way certain foods are manufactured, it's extremely difficult not to overconsume them. So again, the French fries, the chips, basically every processed food. And I shouldn't, but I, but I won't say every processed food. So for me, I could have candy in my house. No problem. I'm not going to touch it. It's not a willpower thing for me. There's a desire, but if I had bread, like I want to eat all the bread, (laughs) right? Now it doesn't mean I don't ever have bread. I do, but I can do it tactically. I could have it when I'm out where I know I can't overconsume. But if I buy a loaf of bread, I could eat the whole, I'm not kidding. I could eat an entire loaf of bread in a day easily. Like, so again, for somebody listening to this and thinking, well, yeah, it's easy for you. You're a fitness guy. It's like, I couldn't have Oreos in my house. I will eat them all. <laughs> we, can't,
0: we can't be roommates, man, because if there's candy in the house, I'm eating the whole bag. So, and I, yeah, and I, 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 I buy it. lots of bread. So we would just be sitting there. I'd be eating candy. You'd be eating bread.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, and we'd just be sabotaging each other. So so you know, identifying those, those fail point foods that are unique to you, creating um, frameworks of, of allowing yourself perhaps to still have them. So I eat chocolate regularly, but I'm going to eat it out. You know, I might get a single-serving size at the grocery store. Um, I'm not going to have it in the house, so controlling the environment is absolutely huge. We do have to establish some go-to meals. These are meals that you will enjoy, that taste delicious, that are easy to make, and these can make the bulk of what you eat. Um, and and, and then, are
0: healthy. So sorry, you said they're easy to make. You like them.
1: They're healthy easy to okay. make. All right. And they make the bulk of what you eat. So I just want to make to, sure all
0: the guys heard that, right. It's not just things that are easy to make and you like, <laughs>
1: no, yeah, no, no. Like that Domino's pizza sure is easy. That's to make. right. It's easy to make um, that phone call. Yeah. So, uh, and, and really kind of out, um, these, these are the external resources, right. And this is what everybody kind of wants to start with. Um, but man, I can't tell you how many guys I've talked to where it's like, Oh, but I always fall off track and like, Oh, then I ate something bad. And then they just fall off. And it's like, you probably will. And remember, you know, you, there, there's different ways to skin this cat. You can track calories. You can make, you know, if it fits your macros, you can make any quote unquote unhealthy food. There, there's really not anything that's unhealthy about that. Fit into that calorie load if you choose to. Um, if you're type A, maybe you really like tracking. If you're like me, that sounds like a nightmare. So I'm going to use more templates and frameworks of eating. But it's finding a, a, a way for you to approach and wrangle what seems like this really um, big dynamic thing for a lot of guys. And getting it down to something as simple as this, finding go-to meals and even some go-to restaurants that fit your nutritional framework that, again, are easy, they fit within the target calories that you enjoy. And then why would you not want to eat that? Like if you were to say, look, do you want to have this meal that you like? It tastes really good. It makes you feel good. It moves you to your result. Yeah. (laughs) Right? So like a great example for me, like my average breakfast is going to be like some protein egg scramble type mix. Like, I love it. It's like a death row meal to me. Like I could eat that almost every day. I mean, there's some variation of it. So yeah, we got to have those go-to go-to meals for sure.
0: Yeah, man. It's, it, I, I like that as, as a guy as guidance, because otherwise it feels like it's, it's a, you're lost at sea. Um, even for, I mean, I, I, I read a lot of labels, pay a lot of attention, but the, Even yesterday, I had a situation where I had ordered my groceries online and I went to pick them up. I don't know if they do this in the States, but sometimes they can't get the thing you want. So they make a substitution and that I ordered this vegan protein powder that I like, they didn't have it. And so they got me this chocolate keto protein powder. And I was like, Oh, whatever. I'm not, I don't, I don't follow a ketogenic diet. I've heard it works for some people. It's great, whatever, no judgment, but I looked at the label when I got this thing and I'm like this is the wrong like this isn't this isn't going to work there's 350 calories per scoop and only (laughs) and there was like 27 grams of fat and 11 grams of protein I'm like this that doesn't fit my nutritional profile maybe it does but I I had never thought that that was what I was going to get but everything on the label it said vegan it said keto and it said chocolate so I'm like well two of those things are what I want vegan and chocolate but (laughs)
1: Well, and, yeah, and this is where, you know, we can fall in, in trouble with, so again, as much as I would say, like, we want to absolutely mine the quality, there is a lot of quote-unquote healthified junk food. Um, do, do you guys have Trader Joe's there? And
0: in- No, but most people that listen will know what Trader Joe's is. We okay. all we all go down south, and we go, you know, so buy Trader, all the stuff on Trader yeah, yeah,
1: Trader Joe's is fantastic for this. They have all sorts of, healthified junk food. And what I mean by that, it's like, Hey, it still has some industrial seed oils. So it's going to have like a little level of an inflammatory, uh, vegetable oil, oil there. And when you
0: say industrial seed oil, you mean like canola and
1: safflower, sunflower, corn, soybean, all of those are going to have omega-6 fatty acids. They're going to skew this um, ratio of inflammatory to non-inflammatory fatty acids in your diet. Great. Um, That's probably the biggest source for people Um, eating a lot of obviously salmon would then combat that. Um, So this is a big reason to avoid most processed foods is these industrial seed oils and trader Joe's is fantastic for having again, like what I call healthified junk food, where it's like, man, these cookies or this dish seems okay, but then it might have the industrial seed oils. Maybe it's a little bit more uh, calorically dense than, than um, need be. And you kind of get yourself into some trouble there, but ultimately there is ways of finding like, Oh, this, this is like quote unquote healthy. It's calorically within reason and again, tastes good. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. It doesn't mean that you have to fall in love with kale chips if you want to eat healthy out there, guys. Um,
1: this is you know, the one you can you cannot go into this thinking like you're gonna eat plain chicken and raw broccoli. I can't tell you how many guys start with this. Blows my mind. I'm like, again, I almost wonder, is it like it's like we're building in an excuse to quit? Because who <clears> would blame you if you're like, well, yeah, I couldn't keep that up. Well, of course not. You don't have to. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, we've had some friends that have um, they they did like amateur bodybuilding, and so yeah, it was literally the chicken and broccoli thing. I think they've now they've moved they've moved on from that phase. Great, they did it, they enjoyed it, but it was like that was how restrictive they had to be, and they they hated it by the end of it. It was like oh, more chicken and broccoli. <laughs> yeah,
1: and when you, and again, when you're talking the bodybuilder world where you're getting down into like six, five, four percent body fats. Dude, your hormones are shifting. Your super restricted calories are incredibly low. Testosterone's dropping. Um, You have to understand those people then, like a a professional bodybuilder, which this is not my world, um, they're going to take the time to reverse diet out of that for like six to eight months to prepare for next season. Like they're thinking in those terms, like at next year, I'll be this. And again, this is not the approach that you have to take if you would like to have a, say, 12, even maybe 10, depending on your genetics, percent body fat that in a way that you can easily maintain.
0: So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think most people listening, I don't imagine are going to get into amateur professional bodybuilding. That's a really good point, though, is like these people are doing it. They're professionals. They're doing it professionally. They have good coaches. They might they're not going to work with you, but someone like you. Um, one of the things we just hit on that I want to jump back to for a second is Thing, thing I learned only a few years ago was the kind of the difference between calorie density and nutrient density and one of the things that um a coach I was working with had said is he said you like you need to be looking as a cyclist for nutrient dense foods and I said I was I was under the impression that like eating trail mix and nuts like I knew it was calorie dense but yeah. so I, I wasn't worried about that but like for me he's for me, I was like, yeah, but it's, it's good stuff. And he's like, well, he's like, actually nuts aren't very nutrient dense.
1: Well, yeah, I'm sorry. Keep going.
0: So I'm just wondering, I don't, that's, that's the extent of my knowledge, man. But I think it's an important thing for, for guys to be thinking about because it's it's one of those healthy options that actually nuts and seeds are great for you. But they're, you know, you know, nutrient density per calorie is, is low.
1: Yeah. So, and and let's and here's the other big one that you really got to talk: satiety. So, meaning a <laughs> meaning how full does this food make you? Mm. So this is again like say we're trying to lose weight. If you were eating foods that you that tasted good, so again like there's a the level of enjoyment. We need to have that, but if they also made you feel physically full, that, but while you stayed in a level of a caloric deficit, all of a sudden losing weight becomes much easier than if you are in a place where you are ravenously hungry and saying, well, that's all you get because we got to keep you in a deficit to lose weight. So we also want um, a high satiety. This usually comes from protein and, and fiber. So nuts are going to be great. However, for the calorie load, when you look at the volume of food that you eat, it's not real significant. Um, I actually think a nut could be quite nutrient dense in that it does per calorie or per, per volume um, it, it has a high level of fat, it, you know, I think it gets misconstrued and people eat nuts for protein and it's much more of a fat yeah. source than a protein source. And I think we can overdo them, um, which also, again, from the omega uh, fat fatty acid ratio can kind of skew you. But I think nuts are a great tool, you know, as a little bit of snack. If you're the guy who's like, again, I sit at a desk most of the day and I just happen to have my trail mix bag where you're the guy that's just, you know, after every call you put down the phone, you throw in another handful of nuts, it's like, that habit right there alone could maybe stop you from losing weight. Like if you just cut that, you don't realize like you're eating 650 calories of nuts a day, right? Or with like a little bit of M&Ms and raisins in there. Like, yeah. Um, so there's also like the volume of food versus say you did have, um, when I say like that chicken breast and, and, and vegetables, but not plain chicken and broccoli, like picture fajitas, right? Like you, you season it up and it tastes good. It's actually a large volume of food per calorie. So now you actually have like the physical sensation of feeling full beyond just hormonal. I think
0: it's a great, um, I think it's a great thing for, for people to pick up on. And and for guys, I think for the example I would use around that is like around four 30, I start to wander into the kitchen. Um, you know, my wife, she, she makes food, um, you know, for, for a living a lot of times she's posting her stuff. And so she's often in there making something. And I'm like, I know exactly where, where the chips are, and i have to i'm like no i am hungry but i just i usually grab a bag of baby carrots out of the fridge and by the time you if
1: you're taking carrots over chips (laughs) well by the
0: time no i'm not every time man better man than i what it does is it like it gives it's it's like okay and i eat and i eat like i eat a lot of them sometimes sometimes like whoa but it's like i'm it's habitual if there's probably some comfort in it whatever but it's like at least it's not doing the damage that, you know, plowing through the entire bag of Miss Vickie's is going to do.
1: Yeah. I mean, again, so you have a ton of fiber. And, and, and again, when I say like, you know, for, for people listening to this, like, is that an, is that a actual, like, I like food swaps. I think food swaps are good strategies. Is that a realistic food swap for somebody like, Hey man, I really want some chips. It's like, Oh dude, just have some baby carrots instead. Like for you, if that works, fantastic. For me, there's no way that that is a, Um, That's not on the same level. And I love chips and salsa. So again, for me, I'm going to just have to practice um, controlling the environment because I'm probably going to struggle to grab baby carrots over the chips. But these are the exact, exact types of personal strategies that if you can figure out work for you, oh man, like you're on a path to success. And and it could be something like, again, a type of lemon tea or something that you like that kicks out soda for you. and, And you can start to punch out some calories. You're on another end, though, as a cyclist, you might need more calories, right? So you're like trying to source calories.
0: Depends on the time of the year, right? Like I, I come out of the season and I kind of keep going for a while, like a retired athlete. And then I realize I'm like, oh, I'm not riding, you know, 15 hours a week anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm down to six and I'm eating like 15. So there's there's always always adjustments. And part of it is I actually want to put on weight during the off season. Yep. It's a lot healthier. It's, you know, like I feel better. I'm doing more weight training.
1: This is, and this is where like, you know, again, when we talk weight loss, if we do have say 40 pounds to lose, we do want to probably get into a deficit, but man, you don't have to go like crazy and like starve yourself because we're really trying to, um, retain as much muscle mass as possible and going in this super low calorie diet, which a, that you can't maintain. And then B, you're going to start breaking down some muscle mass. So at the end of the day, um, you lose weight and then you look at the scale and you're like, I don't look a whole lot better. And this is kind of getting into like what I call this, that skinny fat side of the coin. So, um, you know, men, I do think sometimes want to jump into the deep end like, I'm going to do this. And it's like, cool, man, you're eating just carrots and celery juice. And uh, how long are we going to keep this up?
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The the more
1: you work out, the more you get to eat.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, that's another, you know, another, another pattern. I think we could save that for another episode, the pattern, George, uh, George Bryant and I talked about this as well on, on the podcast around some of the um, you know, body dysmorphia and eating disorders amongst amongst men. Um, so I think, I think we covered most of it. One of the things I want to ask you about though, is uh, I want to get a sense from you as, as a guy who's kind of fighting the, kind of media trend around quick fixes and all the stuff. What are what are some of the most I want to talk about the most problematic and then some of the most promising trends that you're seeing out there in in your industry. So like what let's start with some of the stuff that you're seeing that's just that whether you know whether it's a judgment or not doesn't matter, but what are some of the things you're seeing out there that are problematic as far as trends in the industry around health and fitness. <laughs>
1: God, I want to be like every Facebook ad I see. <laughs> so stay off Facebook if you
0: want to get uh, yeah. properly. Yeah,
1: yeah, and and again, I get it, right? Like you have to. There, a piece of marketing is also getting to help somebody buy into a potential, and right. These are things I'm exploring too. Like how do how do you get that message out there in a way that will make somebody take action? Um, if I were to take a global look at that, I would say right now there's a lot of I see a lot of tools. That are um, marketed as solutions. And here's an example. Intermittent fasting. Intermittent fasting is a fantastic tool to control the amount of food you eat by manipulating the time frame in which you eat. So that for many people can be a great tool to help put themselves in a to help easily and comfortably put themselves in a caloric deficit to lose weight. I myself have done intermittent fasting with no goal of losing weight, which meant I had to eat a ton of food in a shortened feed window. However, if you go through and add a brown intermittent fasting, it is going to be presented as it is the solution and reason why you have not lost weight is because you are not using this tool. And if you can step back and almost evaluate everything through that lens, you're going to notice there's tons of that, right? Like we see it in the, in the supplement world, it's extremely, I mean, that's, that's their status quo of like, this is the missing thing that you need to add in to get result. Tools are not solutions. They are tools of usually convenience to fill in gaps, um, to make things easier, simpler, simpler, uh more convenient. So right now, intermittent fasting is huge, right? Like that's a big one. And again, like I'm a I'm a fan of it for the right reason. Uh keto, we would say the same thing. And you know, people can start to argue there are other benefits to doing some of these things, right? Um, to doing some fasting, to doing keto. There, there are other reasons. However, they're usually marketed towards, again, specifically if we're talking weight loss that keto is the diet that's going to get you to lose weight. The reason that you lose weight on keto is because you created a caloric deficit. And you did that by removing all of your carbohydrate. There's gonna be other people that are high carb and also lose weight, but they did that by removing the majority of the fat from their diet. There are going to be people who are on keto and do not lose weight and who are on high carb and do not lose weight. And you will see those same people say keto didn't work for me or keto doesn't work. And it's like, well, you didn't work keto, <laughs> right? Um, yeah. You know, and, and it's, it's, um, one may be easier for you than the other. So for me personally, if I need to, um, if I want to gain weight, it's easier for me to up my carbohydrate because I already have a high level of calories. It's hard to eat more fat and protein, but I can pound in some like Czech cereal to pull in an extra two, 300 calories, <laughs> you know, or like just, or even rice or some, some whole grain pasta, whatever. Um, so don't be confused in thinking tools or solutions.
0: That's a, that's a great trend to pick up on, man. So it's like, don't blame, don't blame keto or intermittent fasting or whatever the trend is like, look at, it's the marketing behind it that's telling you, this is going to be your, your one, your one solution for all the problems in your life.
1: <laughs> and yeah. And I think, man, it's, and it's so, here's the other reason this is so important for you to, if you're, if you've been challenged. And I'll be honest, most people who um, need to lose weight, they've probably had an effort before, right? You've probably tried something. Um, And I do think that there is something to be said for every time that you kind of throw your hat in the ring and you don't have that success. I do think you start to identify and internalize that like, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm an overweight guy. And it's like, Man, so it's dangerous every time we kind of swing and miss by using some gimmicky thing that, man, it sounded really good, but take a step back and think like, Hey, is this too good to be true? And I see it all the time, man, where it's like, Oh God, like the promise is so big on the front end offer of some like supplement. And then at the end, it's like, you just got like a, like there's one I literally, I sat through cause I'm just interested in the psychology of this. I sat through one the other day. It was like a 45 minute presentation. I just had it on. The end of the, I mean, they're talking melting the body fat off and every like word thing, there's transformation photos at the out the At the end of the day, it is a melatonin-based sleep aid that's going to help you get a better sleep. Which if you slept better, you would probably have better workouts. You'd probably make better choices. There's studies that show if you are underslept, you will make poor nutritional choices, but that is not the answer of why you are overweight. But right. damn, that was that 45-minute presentation would have you thinking it is the absolute missing key. So just having, I think, your blinders up um, for what seems like too good to be true, it is. But at the same time, the flip side of that doesn't mean it has to be some extreme aggressive thing that you can't do. You know what the least sexiest thing is to market? Moderation. <laughs> <laughs> and moderation and sustainability <laughs> and long-term planning. But, man, your life in three months can be substantially different. Six months, it will be, I mean, you won't even know yourself in a year. And here's the reality. Three months is coming either way. Which version of you is showing up?
0: That's it. Wow, man. I, I think that's a great point for us to put a pin in this interview, man. It's It's, it's been it's been really inspiring to speak to you and start to look even at some of the stuff I do and the stuff I've learned. I mean, even thinking about intermittent fasting and, and I mean, I'm, I've been doing it for since before it was cool.
1: Me too. Um, you know,
0: (laughs) it works for me, but I definitely know it. It's not the thing that's, that's, you know, it's not the thing. Um, and I think it's really sound advice for guys out there to, as a closing point, to be aware that, a lot of stuff has merit, like some of their marketing bad stuff. It's that it's being sold as a panacea as opposed to one thing you could have in your arsenal. And I think if guys can walk away with that as they as they enter the Facebook world, the marketing world, the Instagram ads world, that that's a really good filter for them to put on to go, wait a second, like this might be helpful, but it's not going to solve my health and fitness issue.
1: Yep, absolutely.
0: So Luke, you... You coach, man, you have a whole program that you run. Um, you know, you've you're writing, you've got some lots of articles and videos out there. Where should people go to find out more about you?
1: Um, easiest place is LivegreatLifestyle.com. Um, there I have the podcast. I have the um yeah, they can get in contact with me from there. Luke at LivegreatLifestyle.com. Um, I'm always happy to, you know, get on the phone with somebody, point them in the right direction. Um, I I, I tell everyone this. It's like if you've had a struggle and you've had a challenge in this, whether it's me or another coach, like get some support, um, you know, get a tangible tactical approach to this and, and solve this. Cause it's a very solvable thing. And the reward to solving this challenge for you is beyond what you even imagine at this point.
0: I like that. I'll link up everything in the, in the show notes, as well as the, um, the interview and the, some of the articles you talked about. Luke, man, thank you for being on the podcast. Um, this is our our second recording. So I appreciate you, you bearing with me and doing it twice, man. And um, hopefully, hopefully they'll open the border at some point and uh, we'll be able to meet in person. We can run laps around your patio or something.
1: <laughs> there you go, man. We'll get out and do some, uh, we'll get out and do some cycling. I would absolutely love that, man.
0: Beautiful, man. Thank you, Luke. All right. That's it for episode one of season three. If you want to find out more about Luke and his work, everything is linked up in the show notes if you happen to want to get in touch with him. If you enjoyed this episode, I would love to hear your feedback. You can drop it directly on my website, travisstreb.com, or you can leave me a rating or comment through the platform that you're listening to the podcast on. All right, stay tuned for episode two coming at you real soon.